Good evening and welcome to episode 14 of the Big Recon on Sports podcast. I'm your host, I'm the Big Recon. And I want to apologize first, we didn't record last week uh, due to some things outside of our control and a couple of stories that were developing that we really wanted to get into tonight. Uh, last week's show, I was going to dive into the college football playoff, but I'm really going to hold off until after this coming weekend. Having said that, Friday night, we will do our second live episode on Facebook, and this will be in anticipation of the greatest Saturday on the calendar every year, Rivalry Saturday, where at high noon on the Gridiron in Columbus, the greatest rivalry in all of sport will kick off for the 105th time. That's right. It's that team up north against our Buckeyes. Michigan, Ohio State, even though the game is on Fox, game day will be there. And it is going to be one for the ages, I really think. This is going to determine who goes to the Big Ten Championship game to play Northwestern. This is what I anticipated all year. But we're going to get into that on Friday. So for tonight's episode, we're going to do a little recapping, a little handicapping, and a little preview. Let's start with the handicapping. If it goes the way I think it's going to go, for the second year in a row, people are going to be calling for eight teams in the college football playoff. And like I said, we'll dive into that again after Rivalry Week. But I just want to kind of prepare everybody. The majority of what you are hearing coming out of ESPN and all the other pundits is that no matter what Alabama does, if they get to the SEC championship game and lose in a close one, they're going to get in the playoff for the second year in a row. And at that point in time, Nick Saban could have four championships, excuse me, three, that don't include a... uh, a conference championship, and four, he will never have earned the right to play for. But again, we're going to go into that next week. The recapping. Last week ended the Hot Stove Awards in Major League Baseball. And as predicted, on Wednesday, November 14th, Jacob deGrom became the fourth man in New York Mets history to win the Cy Young Award. Here's where I got tripped up. I did not believe at any point in time that Jacob deGrom would win the Cy Young Award and only not have one first place vote. He had 29 out of 30. It was a landslide for the guy who they're saying on MLB Network may have effectively killed the win as the stat for pitchers. This was huge. deGrom was dominant, and it finally proved with this year's vote that they are starting to take into effect that there are teams that are not as good as the performances they are getting day in and day out from pitchers. Now, here's the thing. We've seen people on last place teams win the MVP award. The first one was Andre Dawson way back in 1989. Having said that, we're finally seeing it with pitchers. It was always pitchers who were on great teams, who won a lot of games outside of Steve Carlton, Uh, many years ago when he won 27 and the Phillies, I think, only won like 57, 58 games. But having said that, DeGrom's vote was the right one. And the one guy who did not vote for him, he made a good point. That's what he views it to be, and that's fine. 
one thing I will say about him not voting for Jacob DeGrom, he really didn't cover baseball all that much this year and should not have been allowed to vote. But that's just me. The other awards were predictable uh, outside of J.D. Martinez not being in the top three for the MVP in the American League. Um, Mookie Betts wins the AL MVP going away. Um, Christian Yelich as well wins the MVP going away. And his buddy Baker Mayfield was there. You had the Rookies of the Year, Acuna and Otani. It really wasn't a whole lot of question marks. The question mark, in my opinion, was in the American League. Was Verlander going to have enough support to win it? Was Kluber going to be the quiet surprise he always is? Or was Blake Snell, who led the league in wins, going to win? And Blake Snell won. So good for Blake Snell. Um, Now it's hot stove season, and it's starting to heat up today. The Yankees send one of their prized prospects in Justice Sheffield to Seattle for James Paxton, which we know Pat, we know him. He's the one that got attacked by the Eagle on opening day last year. Uh, but he is the lefty the Yankees have needed. He is going to bring some stability to that rotation um, that the Yankees haven't had for a while. CeCe Sabathia is no longer what he once was. And Jay Happ is a free agent. Severino still has not proven to anyone he can pitch in the month of October. The Yankees needed this. Do I think giving up Justice Sheffield was the right move? I don't know. Um, He really didn't pitch a lot in the major leagues, so you don't know what you have. But me personally, I'm a big proponent of having your players that you draft and bring up or that you trade for and groom in your farm system should be on the team. So what I'm more shocked about is that the Yankees didn't go to the Marlins to get this player as they have their guy in the Marlins front office. Uh, Trade rumors out of the Mets camp that the San Diego Padres are willing to mortgage their future for Noah Syndergaard. Uh, Brody, I don't think you listen, but you should. You need to sign Thor, not trade him. You need to sign DeGrom, not trade him. You need to sign Wheeler, not deal him. You need to sign Steven Matz, not trade him. And find them a lefty to go with Matz. That's not Jason Vargas. Uh, big shout out to Brody for going to Arizona and seeing uh, Peter Alonzo play. I still think they should have made him a third baseman with all the injuries to David. Uh, but Alonzo looks like he's going to be the real deal. This past weekend, speaking of recapping, before I get into last weekend, let's go back two weeks ago. Let's talk about the positive things Ohio State did in their win against Michigan State. They played tough defense. They tackled with great form. They didn't allow yards after catch. They didn't allow big plays to the level they have been allowing them all year. They forced turnovers. I say that as I have the Cavs on in the background, and the Cavs just forced a turnover after committing one themselves. And I don't know why Tristan Thompson thinks he can run the floor. 
So they force turnovers late in the game. They win by 20 points, hold Michigan State to six points total for the game. Great win. Which sets up, of course, this past weekend against Maryland. What happened? By the end of the first quarter, Maryland's running back at almost 160 yards on the ground. He ran the ball four times. Four times. Two of those were for loss. A lot of people will look into the Maryland game and say, Ohio State's terrible. They're not as good as their ranking. They're not this. They're not that. I'm going to look at it a different way. And yes, I'm a fan. So part of it is that. The way I'm going to look at it is very simple. This team has now grinded out three wins on the road. And four when you put Michigan State in there. They grinded out the win against TCU. They grinded out the win against Penn State. They grinded out the win against Michigan State. And they grinded out the win against Maryland. And they also had to grind out the win against Nebraska. A few uh, the week before Michigan State. They're battle tested. This weekend's going to test them even more. Let's see how they do. I firmly believe this Ohio State team can beat Michigan for a couple of very simple reasons, which we're going to put some time into on Friday. I am still pumped by the fact that whoever wins this game is playing Northwestern. I think it's a great story. So now we're coming off the Browns having their bye week. Uh, a big win over the Atlanta Falcons going into said bye week. Um, Baker Mayfield was perfect in the first half. Nick Chubb sets the record for the longest play from uh, longest run from scrimmage in Browns history. And if anybody follows my personal Facebook feed, you get to hear Baker talk about how he's going to tell his grandkids that he handed the ball off on the longest play from scrimmage in Browns history. They're a team that's building. They have a couple of tests on the road in the second half. They have to play Cincinnati twice, who was going out and hired Hugh Jackson um, to do what I don't know other than be a bitter, bitter man who had a job after he was 1-31. in 31. He's a special assistant to the head coach, which tells me Cincinnati is worried about the Cleveland Browns. If I was Cincinnati, I'd be worried too. They are a very good football team who can do some damage, especially on the offensive side of the ball, when their defense is playing well. When their defense isn't playing well, they are not built for a shootout. They can score a lot of points when they have the ball because their defense is stopping people and keeping them on the field. So the Browns this weekend play Cincinnati. Uh, I believe it's in Cincinnati. So that's going to be a good game. Uh, Cincinnati obviously has started off really well. And now they're into the teeth of their divisional schedule. Let's see where they go. Um, yeah, that game's in Cincinnati. The Browns are 3-6-1. and one. Cincinnati's 5-5. Five and five. They started out hot, but now they have cooled off significantly. Andy Dalton started out looking like a world beater, and then he turned into, well, Andy Dalton. Little interruption real quick. 13-0 Rams with 4-16 left in the first quarter. Um, 
surprisingly enough, um, I take that back. It's 13-6. Pat Mahomes just threw a touchdown. Uh, surprisingly enough, Kansas City has not cooled off. No one has figured out Patrick Mahomes yet, which I think is great. He will most likely be the NFL MVP if Kansas City stays hot, which I think they will. They have a favorable schedule on the stretch. Uh, they've played the toughest part of their schedule, and they can get if they get the one seed. I don't like New England going in there and beating them in their own house. Losing in New England during the regular season is one thing. New England's playoff record on the road is not as stellar as people think it is. Um, so I, I think Kansas City, no matter what their record is and where they are, they have to continue to fight for that one seed. And we could see, I believe it's for the first time since Super Bowl four, the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So now let's go to my Cleveland Cavaliers, who I have on in the background as I sit here, and they are getting smoked by the Detroit Pistons going into the fourth quarter in Detroit. But to be honest, no one cares about tonight. No one cares that they're going to fall to, I believe it's 2-12. and 12. No one cares that this team is reeling right now whether it's due to injury or whether it's due to underachievement or whether it's due to not knowing what they're doing in the front office. Bottom line is this. The Cleveland Cavaliers are almost a laughing stock. But they're my team. And I root for them and I watch them as often as I can. you got to love this Fox Sports app that you can cast to your television. Because that's how I watch the Cavs. And it's Fred and it's AC and it's my guys. But the big one, what may be the biggest game on the Cavs' schedule is Wednesday night. To steal a line from Mr. Tolkien, it's the return of the king. It is going to be an interesting night Wednesday. I will sit in my chair and I will watch that game with interest. With interest to see how the fans treat him coming back. With interest to see how he plays there. He has been phenomenal with the Lakers so far. This is going to be an interesting game. I believe this will be the game that the Cavs get up the most for. I know if I was a player on this Cavs team, and I went to four straight finals with this guy, and I played hard, and I heard all the criticism and all the things said about me as a person and a player last year especially, I honestly think I would have a real problem with LeBron having left. Because I put everything I had in me into that season. And I put everything I had in me into trying to get a championship back to Cleveland and helping him do it. Wherever he's been, he's always been the guy. But his supporting cast have always been 
outside of the championship run in the year after, been mocked. This is a chance for this Cavaliers team to do something that I think could just be a giant middle finger to this guy. They could beat the Lakers. I don't know that they will, but I think the motivation that they will carry going into this game will be enormous. The crowd will be amped. Before the game, they're going to have the video tribute, which they absolutely should. They should retire the number 23 at some point in time in the near future. Obviously not, you know, Wednesday night. But this is a game that I think the Cavs can make a statement and say, listen, dude, we may not be as good as we were when you were here, but we're still professional basketball players. We have pride. I hope they do. I really do. The Lakers have been playing okay. They are not a world-beating team. They have not gelled yet. When they gel, are they going to give the Warriors and everybody else in the Western Conference a run for their money? Possibly. LeBron's on the team. But Wednesday night's a statement. It's the night before Thanksgiving. Um, I think it's cool. I hope his family's with him and they have their Thanksgiving at their home in Akron. There's nothing like Thanksgiving in Cleveland. But this game means more to the Cavaliers than it does to the Lakers. The Lakers are a team that will most likely be in the playoffs. The Cavs are not. As much as I made them my eight seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs, that was with my heart. That was not with my head. This is a chance for them to make an impact in their season and give their fans something to cheer for. The queue is going to be packed to the gills on Wednesday night. It's the night before Thanksgiving. It's a really big party night. Everybody's home from college. Everybody's got the next day off. The only thing you're doing Thursday morning in Ohio is you're turning on the Macy's Parade. And I know some of you are listening to this looking at it, why are you turning on the Macy's Parade if you're in Ohio? What's the big deal? Because one of the featured marching bands in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is the best damn band in the land. The Ohio State University Marching Band will be one of the featured bands. I can honestly tell you I am excited and I hope in my travels to see family, I get a chance to see them because this would be cool. They're not going to be able to floss because having been down in New York City recently, there's not enough room for them to actually make formation, so they're just going to march. I don't know if these kids know how to just march with all the stuff they do. And it all leads up to Saturday. With the biggest game of the year. The one that is simply called the game. I want to skip back to the NBA for a second. And I want to talk about what happened with the Golden State Warriors recently. Draymond Green saying to Kevin Durant about his pending free agency, we won without you, go away, we don't need you. Well, Draymond, 
If you didn't need him, you would not have called him like a little girl after you blew a 3-1 lead in the 2016 finals. If you truly didn't need him, you wouldn't have brought him in to beat one guy. Draymond Green is to the NBA now what Bill Lambeer was to the NBA in the late 80s and the early 90s. A eyesore on the league. Because let me tell you something. Everybody says, oh, this is how Draymond is. If Draymond Green would have pulled this crap at Michigan State with Tom Izzo, Tom Izzo would have thrown him out of school. The flailing and the kicking people and everything else didn't happen when he was in school. Draymond has not always played like this. Draymond thinks he can be a thug now because he's got the two pretty boys running the point and the two. Rant over. So as I said, Friday night we're going to do another live hit. It's going to be from my humble home in upstate New York. And we are going to talk exclusively about Saturday's game, Ohio State-Michigan, the game. There's no other rivalry in sports that's been called the 10-year war. This game has been played over a century. The hate and the anger and the talking and the smack and everything else between the fans is epic. Already the pictures are out. Every M in the city of Columbus has been X'd out with red tape. This is going to be a phenomenal game. This is also going to be a knockdown drag out war of mostly attrition between these two teams. And I look forward to it every year. I will be planted in front of my television at noontime to watch it on Fox with Gus Johnson and Joel Cloud on the call. Thank you once again for listening to this week's episode of the Big Recon on Sports podcast. As always, we can be found on social media. Big Recon on Sports on Facebook, at Sports one on Twitter. And keep an ear out. There may be some changes coming with the podcast very soon. I know it's a terrible tease, but there may be some changes coming very soon. May have some opportunities we're going to take advantage of. May have some opportunities we're not going to take advantage of. So we'll see where we're going to go with it from here. But thanks again for listening. And we will come to you on Friday night on Facebook with a live hit where we'll be discussing primarily Ohio State, Michigan, And we'll recap a little bit of the Cavaliers-Lakers game from Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your week. If you aren't able to join us on Friday, or I don't hear from you personally before then, happy Thanksgiving. And we'll talk to you after the game, before the game on Friday, and then we'll talk to you after the game at some point next week, where we will handicap all the conference championship games. Have a good night.